0: The following contains descriptions of physical violence, sexual violence, and graphic descriptions of autopsies. Hey listeners, this is episode 33 of TGIC Podcast. I'm Jillian. And I'm Izzy. And on today's episode, we will be covering the bizarre deaths of the Yuba County Five, And this case is just so crazy, and I think that it'll be really interesting to talk about. We've been trying to kind of change up our episodes, I guess, doing some different cases that we hadn't been doing. I feel like we got in a rut of a lot of, like, missing people, and so we're going to just change this up a little bit. So let's get right into it. And I will warn you guys, I got um, a little bit wrapped up in this case, so it might be a long one. And there's just, like, a lot of information to, like, digest, I guess, in this case. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, the Yuba County Five got their name because they all lived in Yuba County, California, and they were a tight-knit f- group of friends. The five men in the group were named Bill Sterling, he was 29 at the time, Jack Hewitt, who was 24, Ted Weyer. Okay, why do we keep getting people whose last names sound like Weiner? I don't know. That's that really happened weird. last week, or the week before last week, I guess. Yeah. Oh, we, which, Slender Man episode. Yeah, um, he was thirty-two, which made him like the oldest, and he had also been a janitor in the past. I guess the other hasn't really had histories of jobs or anything. Yeah. So he was one of the only ones that had been a job had 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 a job, um, and him and Jack were the like closest out of the friends, which is kind of weird actually, because Jack is like the youngest and Mm -hmm. Ted was the oldest. Yeah. Um. Oh, wait, but there's two Jacks. Yeah, there's two Jacks. Wait, so now I'm confused. Jack Hewitt and Jack Madruga. Yeah. yeah, and Jack Madruga was 30, and he was really good friends with Bill, so I guess it's different. Bill was the 29-year-old. Yeah. And then there was also Gary Mathias, who was 25, and he was formerly in the military, but he was discharged due to, like, psychiatric issues. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting that their group of five. It's kind of like... Because it sounds like there were two groups, like, two sets of really good friends, and then there's just Gary. Yeah. And I feel like that's important to, like, talk about because you'll see that later on. Um, yeah. Um, so all of these men had slight developmental disabilities, except for Gary, who had a psychiatric condition called schizophrenia. And so I think that is a little bit strange to point out. Yeah. So there's these four, like, young adult men who have, like, developmental disabilities, and then they have this one friend with schizophrenia. I just think it's kind of a weird, like, group, I guess? I don't know, like, like, I understand the commonality of having a disability, but, like, schizophrenia sticks out a little bit more. It's different, and he also has, he's had, like, different life, like, different things have happened in his life that, like, draw him different, I guess, from the other guys. And also, maybe, like... The men who had developmental disabilities were all, like, varying ranges, so I also added in, like, that one of them was a janitor because I think his wasn't as, like, severe as some of the other men, but all of them, they were mental, so it didn't affect their, like, physicality. Uh, Also, about his schizophrenia, it was being treated, he was medicated, and he was living with his parents, Mm -hmm. so he was, like, under, I guess, like, help for that, so... He was pretty much, like, full functioning compared to the men with disabilities who, mm-hmm. like, that's not, like, usually a fixable issue, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, exactly. like, like, you they, can't be medicated for You that. can get help and stuff, but it's not going to be as fixable as taking medication for schizophrenia. Yeah. And Gary also had developed some drug abuse problems following his discharge from the Army and his diagnosis with schizophrenia, but those issues had been resolved, so he wasn't really having the drug abuse issues anymore. But I still think yeah. it's strange that he was in this friend group. Yeah, and, I mean, we also just had like he was kind of like the like outcast from the friend group. If that yeah, makes sense. he like, didn't we have like you the guys close were, friends, like, buddy buddies, and like he was kind of just like on the outside of everything. Yeah, I, I'm so curious about how they met. Yeah. Um, so all of these men lived with their parents because they just it was easier with their disabilities and they could get all the comfort and care that they really needed. Mm-hmm. And this group of guys was often referred to as the boys by the parents and friends because they were just so tight knit and it's kind of sweet but also yeah. like, sad because of what happened to them. Yeah. But the boys always just makes me think of like you know white boys who go fishing. Yeah. No. Like. Um, summer is for the boys. Like, yeah. I just think of those like posters. Summer is No, it's Saturdays for the boys. It's not what? Summer's for the boys, it's Saturdays are for the boys. Oh my god. Are you serious? Have you thought it was Summer's for the boys the whole time? Yeah. Mm, it's, Saturday. it's like that Sam Smith thing. Oh my god. So, funny story Izzy and I both thought that, you know, the shoes, Stan Smith's, they're like Adidas. Um, so I've had a pair for a few years, they're, like, the most beat-up pair of shoes right now, but I wear them all the time, and so basically, I was wearing them the other night, and Izzy says something to me, she's, like, was talking about it, she was, like, oh, you have Sam Smith's, I have a pair that, lo- I just got a pair of shoes that look similar to that or whatever, yeah. and I was, like, Izzy, they're called Sam Smith's, and she, like, didn't even believe me for a second, Sam Smith is, like, the guy that sings, um, what is that song, it's, like, uh... I can't I remember. What, I, I can't remember, but whatever. He sings something. And I was like, no, but that's funny because I used to call them Sam Smiths too. And like one time, I'm trying to remember, like a, when I was at Sleepaway Camp, like I think the summer between seventh <laughs> and eighth grade, I was talking to some girls, and these were like, I, I was such a dorky-looking girl this year. Like, I think I had, like, bra- my braces were still on. My hair was at, like, such an awkward length. I was just very socially awkward. <laughs> so I go up to these girls who I think are, like, really cool, and I'm just like, hey, I like your Sam Smiths. <laughs> I really would want a pair. And then they, like, give me a weird look, and I'm like, oh, jeez, I just screwed this up. They probably just think I'm a huge dork. Well, no, it just turns out that, well, I was a huge dork, but also it turns out that I was saying, saying it totally wrong. But isn't it funny that Izzy and I, like, were both saying it wrong? Yeah, and, like, such a specific thing, too, like, Sam Smith. Not, yeah. like, I yeah. Like, I don't even know how that came around. And then I remember my mom, like, f- like filled me in on the fact that that was how it was supposed to be said. Yeah. But isn't that just so weird? I don't even know how we got to this. Oh, Saturdays are for the yeah, boys. Yeah, Saturdays are for the boys. <laughs> So, anyway, the boys had a main interest that they all loved, which was sports, and most of the time when they'd hang out, they would watch a game or practice for their basketball team called the Gateway Gators, which was a part of a league sponsored by the community for those who were mentally disabled. Which, again, I find it weird that Gary was in on this, because yeah, he, he wasn't, he mentally, wasn't disabled, mentally disabled, he had a mental illness, which is, like, a different thing. Yeah, I don't I don't really understand how he got involved in the relationship. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just see it as such a different thing. I, I can't, like, emphasis that enough. Maybe I'm really lost and on I this. And I guess, like, the symptoms were a lot different, too. Like, he couldn't really, like, they emotionally didn't have, connect yeah. to the other guys, because at least the other guys could, like, bond over the fact. Yeah, they, that he didn't have had. to, like, experience the disability part. He just yeah. had a mental illness. He also had, like, medication and stuff. It was just very different. I don't know. Yeah, and he had, like, different, kind of a different life story, too. Like, he was in the military. Yeah. He came home because he was discharged. He got like a substance abuse issue and then now he's okay, but these men have been dealing with mental disabilities like their whole lives. Yeah. I I don't don't know. It's a really weird connection. Maybe I'm like putting too much on it, but it's very strange to me. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna get into the timeline, which is really long for this case. I think that's like kind of the most important part of this. So, February 24th of 1978, the group of friends decided that they wish to like attend a basketball game in Chico, California which was an away game for the UC Davis basketball team, and they were going against Chico State. And basically the guys were like, hey, we should go cheer for UC Davis, and they wanted to do this especially because, like, um, they just, like, love basketball too. And Jack Madruga was the only one in the group other than Gary to have a license, so he drove the boys to the game in his turquoise and white 1969 Mercury Montego. It's actually a really cool looking car. If you guys look it up, like, it's a super cool looking car. Um, and the game was 50 miles away from where they all lived, which I would say is about like an hour and a half away, would you yeah, agree Yeah, I don't, I guess, I don't know. Yeah, I don't I really know. guess it depends on how they're driving, if you're on back roads versus the highway, yeah. it's gonna be like very different. But that's kind of far. For like a, like at night? I don't know. 50 miles? Um, what's 50 miles away? I don't know, I don't think it's too bad. Yeah, I don't think it's too bad. Yeah, I don't know. And let me also mention that the boys had like a really important basketball tournament that, they, that would last that weekend for their basketball team and that would start the following day. And if they won they would receive a free all expense paid trip to Los Angeles and they were all really excited for this. Like they laid out all their uniforms on their beds and their gear for the following day and like they even remembered to ask their parents to wake them up on time. Which is just, like, so sad to me. Like, they were so excited for that. And um, the game ended around 10 p.m. that night, and the UC Davis team actually won, which was a cause for celebration for the boys, so they went to a nearby convenience store and they bought a bunch of junk food. So, like, Hostess cakes and pies. I love Hostess cakes. I don't think I've ever had one. You've never had, like, a Hostess cupcake? No, I've always wanted to try them. Oh, my God. I remember in, like, pre-K when people, like, parents used to sign up to bring snacks Sometimes parents would bring in Hostess cupcakes, like individually packaged. Oh my god, they were so good. No, I love the little donuts though, like the chocolate covered ones. Oh, no, I don't like donuts. I love them. They're so artificial and horrible, but they're so good. And they also bought like soda, chips, candy bars, and another weird thing—they bought like cartons of milk. Oh well, if they're having Hostess cakes, yeah, I would buy some milk too. And after the sighting, the men were never seen alive again. And that night when they never came home, their parents grew increasingly worried about them. And, like, as I mentioned before, they had, like, a super important basketball tournament the following day. And none of them would, like, willingly or intentionally miss it. And, like, the next day, all the parents called the police and, like, an immediately search, immediately, like, a search started. So, Tuesday, February 28th, which is, like, four days after they originally disappeared, the boy's car was found by a forest ranger abandoned on an unpaved unpaved road near Oroville, California, at an elevation of around 4,500 feet. That's, like, really high up, right? Which is, yeah, that's really high okay. up. I'm not good with elevation, so I had to clarify that. No, yeah, like, that's to the point where, like, you're gonna start getting, like, m- like altitude sickness. I don't know if any of you guys know what that is, but, like, if you, um... Have I ever been, like, skiing, but you're not from somewhere that has a high elevation, you get, like, sick for a few days, and it's basically, like, nausea and stuff, but it really sucks. Like, I had to be hospitalized when I went skiing for the first time because of it. Did you really? Yeah. And You're the only person I know that's ever gotten altitude sickness. Are you serious? Yeah. Of course. Izzy's of course. had everything because she's, she's a hypochondriac. I'm a hypochondriac. My dad's a hypochondriac, kind of just runs in the family, so we don't take risks in the straighter household. Um, and the car was found 2.5 hours away from Chico, which was in the totally opposite directions they needed to go in order to get home. So, this was, like, 70 miles east instead of the 50 miles south that they needed to go to get home. That's weird. Which is super weird. Like, even if they figured out that they were going in the wrong direction, like, they would have corrected it. But 70 miles, that's, like, two and a half hours. And there was, like, When the car was found, there was no sign of foul play, and, like, the car was, like, unlocked and filled with food wrappers and basketball programs, and it may also mention that there were maps folded up in the glove compartment that had, like, parts of these trails and stuff on them, and they just didn't use them. And it's just possible that they got lost, but I feel like at a certain point when you're driving 70 miles, you realize that you should have been home already. Yeah, and you realize that there's things that are, like, you're familiar with that you haven't passed, right? Like... I remember when I used to drive home from St. Louis, we would go back to Georgia or whatever, and I would remember things, like little yeah. landmarkers, right? But maybe if they just weren't familiar with the trail, but if there is a certain point where you know you've been in the car for too long. And when you're going up a freaking mountain yeah, that, that's on a dirt yeah, road. <laughs> when yeah, you, when you did not come that like when down a mountain. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And there were like there was no damage to the car, which also had a quarter tank of gas, And this means that the driver had either used, like, extreme precision to get up the mountain, to get up, like, the super bumpy and unfinished road that was covered in snow, or that the driver knew the road really well and knew where they were going. That's weird. Yeah. And the car wasn't stuck in the snow, which doesn't really make sense because, like, why would they just abandon the car if it wasn't stuck, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, the following days, forest rangers and police searched the area for any sign of the men, and they found nothing however like a severe blizzard hit the area like five days after the search began which blanketed the forest in nine inches of snow and like even the snow cats which were used by the rangers struggled to get through the terrain and I will say when I was doing research I was imagining like forest rangers holding like snow cats on leashes like lynxes or something like sniffer Uh dogs no it's like a tryout like a track like a truck Oh, I really thought that you meant no, like oh. sniffer lynxes. I thought that like in cold environments they don't use German shepherds; they no, use snow, snow cats. cats. No, but snow cats is not a no. not a real cat. Which kind of made me kind of sad. I'm not even gonna lie; it made be sad. <laughs> um, and I'm gonna get into like a sighting of the group. So basically, a man named Joseph Scholz. You said that they had that was the last time they'd ever been seen. Well, okay, that was the last confirmed time uh, they'd okay. ever been seen. So Joseph Scholz. Sorry, I don't know how to say his last name. Had a supposed sighting of the men, which was in, like, tremendous detail. So he said that he had seen the men between 11 and 12 p.m. the night that they had disappeared. And he was driving up the gravel road that was on his way to his cabin, and his car got stuck in the snow. And while he was attempting to push it out, he suffered a massive heart attack. Don't laugh, what? He suffered a massive heart attack. Oh. And there are two versions of the story from here, which get kind of convoluted, but yeah. So the first story includes that Joseph was laying in his car with his heat on, and at about 11:30 p.m. he saw headlights approaching him, and one was a car and the other was a pickup truck, and he got out of his car to approach them and ask for help, and the cars ve- like the vehicles stopped about 20 feet from him, and the passioner- the passengers the passengers then got out of one car and piled into the other and just drove away, and left him there. Oh. And he was stranded until morning when he was able to walk the eight miles down the mountain. After suffering a heart attack, this poor guy. (laughs) Yeah, this poor dude. And the other story is much more confusing. So basically, while he was laying inside of his car, he heard something whistling. So he looked out and saw a group of men and a woman with a baby walking around in the light of headlights. He then called for help, and the lights turned off, and the whistling stopped. Hours later, he saw more flashlight beams, so, like, handheld flashlights, outside of his car, and when he called for help, they immediately turned off. So he stayed in his car until it ran out of gas, like, in the early hours of the morning, and he made the trek down the mountain to get help, and he actually passed Madruga's car on the way home. Okay. So that's just, like, so weird, I don't know, and he didn't think much about these sightings, until he saw the missing men's pictures and description of their car in the news, and he alerted the police of what he had seen. And he was actually, like, in the hospital for, like, a week afterwards. Oh, wow. And he had to get, like, surgery, but, yeah. That's kind of crazy. That is crazy. I- I'm also very confused by how there's two different stories. Yeah, I don't... And they're so, they're kind of, like, vastly different. Yeah, they really are. Like, a woman with a baby. I, like, I don't know. Plus, the whole thing with the flashlights, it's very different. No, like, I don't understand how these two stories got associated with this guy, but I guess there's just, like, two different accounts, which is really weird. Yeah. And the second kind of, like, it's not really, um, I guess, not approved. It's not confirmed. It's not confirmed, but basically... The other one's not confirmed either, because there's two of them. Yeah, (laughs) there's two of them from the same man. But basically, a woman who owned a general store reported seeing a red pickup truck with a group of men inside. And she had seen them Saturday and Sunday, and her store was about an hour-long drive away from the abandoned car, and there were five men. And apparently, two of them had come in and bought food, and one of them had made a call at the phone booth, booth, (laughs) and the others remained in the car. Well, that, one of the sightings from the heart attack dude, he said he He saw a pickup truck, right? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. So that kind of gives them a little bit more truth to them, especially since there were five men. The only thing I find weird about the pickup truck thing is, A, I feel like... There should be six men or more because yeah. someone else had to bring that car. Yeah, like whose is it? So it can't just be five. Like and who that doesn't it work out. Yeah, to? that and that's the other thing. Who was this guy making a call to? Because no one, someone would have reported there being a call. Exactly. So I don't think that the second sighting really works out. Mm-mm. Like Maybe I think it's just, it's just a coincidence, coincidence with a truck. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, um, I'm sure a
0: lot of people like this is like rural area, California, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm sure plenty of people had a pickup truck. Yeah. And the months following the disappearance, there was, like, no coverage or news of, like, the case for months because there was, like, nothing. Like, it went cold. However, in June of 1978, there was a big break in the case because all the snow had melted so they could get up to the mountain and, like, investigate it further. So, a man was actually riding his motorcycle on that road and noticed that there was a broken window on, like, a forest ranger service trailer and he notified the proper, proper authorities And basically, the trailer was 19 miles away from the original location of the car. And keep in mind, a 19-mile trek through the woods in the snow was treacherous for seasoned and geared up hikers. Mm Mm-hmm. So imagine, like, five inexperienced men in thin jackets and sneakers hiking 19 miles to somewhere they don't even know exists. Yeah, that's really strange. Yeah. So the following day, rangers ventured to the trailer and discovered the decaying body of Ted Weeher. Weeher. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, over the next few days, a search ensued, and the bodies of Bill Sterling and Jack Madruga were found laying on opposite sides of the road leading up to the trailer. Were all these bodies just, like, wait, you just said they were laying on the ground, right? Yeah. So, how long were they there? I don't know, but basically, like, Jack had been partially scavenged by animals, and he was dragged ten feet to a nearby stream. And he was found face-up, and, like, he had his hand clutched over his watch and then Bill was found in a more wooded area, and all that was left of him was a scattered pile of bones. Okay, but it's weird that this was never uncovered before. Yeah, exactly. Because like, if they're just on the ground, on the side of the road, and it's been it's been a while, right? Yeah. And the next day, Jackie Hewitts. Looks. Basically, his name. Hewitts. So how he? Why, had, why, why did you she... just say it like that? It's Hewitts. Hewitts. Yeah. Hewitt's. Okay, that makes sense. I don't know why I said it like that. I'm, like, <laughs> slurring. I don't know what's going on. I have, like, a lisp today. But basically, oh, also, I want to say, Jackie, you know how he said there's two Jacks? Yeah. He, this guy goes by Jackie. Oh, gotcha. And his father was assisting in the search and found his son's backbone, as well as the Levi jeans he was wearing and his battered Get There's shoes. That's really sad. Which is horrible. And the day after that, a sheriff actually found the skull of him a hundred yards from the other remnants of his body. Um, Also, searchers found three wool blankets and two flashlights laying on the side of the road about a quarter mile from where the original campsite was, like, near the bodies. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of weird. And, like, the only person who was unaccounted for was Gary Mathias. And the only sign that they found of him was his tennis shoes that he had left in the trailer. This is suggesting that he might have taken Ted's larger leather shoes because they weren't in the cabin, And they were also warmer, and since they were bigger, they could have fit his swollen, frostbitten feet better. And, like, although the men's bodies were, like, super decomposed, they could determine that they had died from exposure. Mm -hmm. So basically, starvation, frostbite, all of that combined. And the body that had been, like, the lesser form of decomposition was Ted, since he'd been found in the trailer, away from ravaging animals and the weather conditions. Where did this trailer even come from? I don't know. Like, it's a service trailer. So basically, like, through hikers or rangers would stay in there. Okay. Yeah. And they deter- like they could determine from the autopsy that he had been stranded there for 8 to 13 weeks. And they could tell that because he had lost 100 pounds, making the weight, his weight at the time of his death, only 120 pounds. Oh my god. Which is fucking crazy. I don't know how tall this guy was, but... Like, for him to be 220 pounds starting off, he must have been, like, pretty freaking tall. Yeah. And they could also tell that by the length of his beard. And he was found in a bed with multiple sheets, like, tucked tightly around him, indicating that someone else had wrapped him up because he wouldn't have been able to do that action alone. And he didn't have his shoes on because, like I said earlier, they believed that Gary had took them. And on the bed table next to him, there was Ted's nickel ring, his gold necklace, and his wallet still had cash inside. But there's also a gold Wilhelm watch with its main crystal missing. However, this, like, did not belong to anyone in the group. So that's, like, kind of weird, right? Like Yeah, that is really weird. And it's, like, a fancy watch. So they have no idea where that came from. So, yeah. That's really weird. All these, like, things are, like, really... How they even got here and then there's just random stuff is so weird. Yeah. Dude, just wait until the theories. Okay, do you want to get into the abduction theory a little bit? Yeah, I'll start that. So this theory basically goes that somehow someone just abducted them or, like, lured them to this little camp area and kept them there, which is really strange to me, too, because it's not like they were murdered or anything was really wrong mm-hmm. to them. They were just there and died of exposure. Yeah, exactly. And maybe after, like, figuring out that they had disabilities, it was just easier to, like apprehend them because they were like take advantage of them yeah exactly Mm -hmm. and they were taken to the camp and basically held captive for some reason which is kind of hard to prove it's not like the only thing there's no motive the only thing gone was that guy's shoes yeah and gary and gary um so it's just kind of weird it doesn't really make a lot of sense Mm -hmm. but then there's also this whole red truck thing but like who whose car Mm -hmm. is this yeah why were they seen in it But also, like, why did the guys just have the truck? Or maybe at this point the guys were in the truck with some kidnapper and Gary was already gone? And maybe that's why there was only five of them? Maybe. That makes sense. Oh, my God. That makes sense. I guess. Like, I don't know. And maybe their abductor was the one making the call. Yeah, maybe. And the evidence at the scene also, like... It's just weird the ca- inside the cabin there with these heavy clothes and furniture matches and paper that could have been used to make a fire but they didn't use them and they just used candles which is weird it's yeah, not going to really like keep weird. you warm and the even weirder thing is that there was like a full propane tank connected to the trailer that they could have just turned on and like used as heat and like make food and stuff and they didn't that's so weird and like a- to turn on a prot- propane tank you just have to like turn a knob too and it's just it's almost like they were left there yeah like not actually held captive they were just like ditched there um and there's this like story shit outside that had a year supply of rations that were like pre-cooked with instructions on how to use them and the men only consumed 36 of these rations and the cause of death for tom was starvation but like how did he starve if there was all this food yeah it doesn't like that makes no sense so, it's almost like someone was trying to control what they were eating, or maybe they got, like, couldn't figure out how to keep eating, I don't really know. Um, maybe something with the shed, maybe the shed, like, froze shut or something. Yeah, I, I don't have no know. Idea. It almost, it almost seems like they were taken there after the fact, and, like, left there, like, maybe... The kidnapper took them, realized that they all had disabilities, which he didn't realize before. Like, maybe he was hoping to rob them or something. Mm-hmm. And then and just, them. just abandoned them because he realized that there wasn't really anything good that they had. And they all had disabilities. He was like, well, shit, what am I supposed to do now? Like, I don't want to be that person. <laughs> and, like, just abandoned them he just here. Got a moral compass, like, right there. Yeah, I don't know. And maybe he just decided that he would leave them there. And, like, he's like, oh, here's the food and stuff. But maybe they couldn't figure that all out. Or maybe yeah. his instructions weren't clear. And then that's kind of what happened. But it's just really strange. Mm-hmm. And like, I just the also the guys who were found away from the trailer too, like, they had blankets and flashlights, and maybe they were trying to like escape their captor, right? Okay, yes, but I still don't think that they were really, like, in captivity. Like, it almost seems like maybe that they were, like, trying to leave to just go get help because they couldn't figure out how to get food or anything. Like, maybe they thought that they had been, like, abandoned there and there was no food or anything, but there really was food. You know, maybe they just didn't understand the whole situation. Yeah. Not that I'm saying that they were put in this good situation, but maybe they took some stuff to go try to, like, get help and food and stuff. Maybe they, like, one of them had already died. Yeah. Like, maybe something happened to Gary or something... And they decided that they needed to go get help. Yeah. And maybe they left Tom, too, because he was, like, so weak. Yeah, I don't know. But, like, where the hell is Gary? Yeah. Where is Gary? And that brings me to my next theory, the Gary Susses Hell Theory. That's a interesting name choice there. Yeah. But basically, Gary, as we talked about earlier, is kind of like the black sheep of the group. He mm-hmm. wasn't, like, as buddy-buddy with the other guys as the other ones were. And, I mean, this one has been, like, widely discussed and kind of argued over because it's pretty vague and it's, like, riding on some very extreme circumstances. So this theory is basically that Gary could have been, like, having some sort of psychological break when they were at the game. And he was seeing or hearing things because of his schizophrenia that made him believe that he and the other men were in trouble or that they were, like, being followed. And because of this, maybe, like, since he also had his license, he has to drive, and he started driving in the wrong direction up the bloody mountain... Because somewhere in his mind, he thought that was the right thing to do. Yeah, I mean, it's possible that, like, he just had, like, some sort of schizophrenic break, and he was like, oh, must get all these guys up the mountain. Yeah. And, like... You said he was the one who could drive, too, right? Yeah, he had a license, so that makes sense. So maybe he just was like, oh, Jack, I'll drive, and then he drove them in the wrong direction. Yeah. So they, like, get up this mountain, and he starts leading all of the guys through the forest and telling them that he was thinking that, like, something bad was going to happen or that they were being followed. And the other men believed him or didn't think not to because of their disabilities or simply because he was their friend. And yeah. Like, they couldn't, like, they didn't, they thought he was being, like, not necessarily truthful, but that he was correct, right? Yeah, like, he was trying to be helpful and trying to keep yeah. him safe. and it scared them. And so they find this RV when they're walking through the, like, woods in the cold, and they're, like, staying there for a long time, and maybe Gary was the one who was getting them food and preparing it. And then he left one day out of the blue, and the other men tried to follow him. Except for Tom, who was, like, starving, and his feet were all messed up because of frostbite. Yeah. And maybe because Gary was in the military, or uh, he was used to be in the military, he had some resourceful skills that could help him, like, survive in the wilderness, like making a fire and doing all that stuff. So, by the time, like, the men started to follow him, he was too far gone, and they ended up surrendering, surrendering to the elements. And that's why they had the blankets and the flashlights to try and find him. Yeah. It's still just so weird, though, that he was never found. Like, yeah, he either didn't make it back, and he's somewhere in that forest, which seems weird that he wouldn't have been uncovered. Mm-hmm. Or he somehow integrated back into society. And just, like, hid away. But, like, if he was clearly mentally unstable, like, something had to have happened to him, right? Yeah, because, like, like, he didn't have his meds, which was the only thing keeping him, like... Like, if he got back to society, wouldn't you, like, wouldn't you be like, Oh, I... You would notice some loopy guy saying that he, like, had, like... He was protecting some mentally disabled dudes on the top of a mountain. Yeah. Like, this would... This would draw attention, right? I mean, I would think. There's, like, he's got to be somewhere. He didn't just disappear disappear into thin air yeah like yeah it doesn't make sense none of it does really like how did they starve in a cabin with so much food how did they freeze and get frostbite in a cabin where there was heat it doesn't make sense none of it does yeah i don't i don't know i mean it's possible just because their disabilities may and they've been cared for, for by their parents their whole lives they didn't know how to do a lot of like basic stuff like that to, like yeah help themselves. themselves and maybe gary was the only one but he left and i i don't know i really yeah. don't i have no idea i feel like this just kind of trails off i guess and i mean this case is just really sad it's like it's really sad and it's like i feel like it's like not very true crime like it's just very very yeah. sad yeah So, this was the disappearance and ultimate mysterious deaths of the Yuba County Five. So, make sure to follow our Instagram and TikTok at tgic.podcast and share your thoughts on the case. You can let us know on our blog or on our social media. Our blog is linked on our website and our link tree. And also, like, I mean, if you just Google it, it's there. And we will talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye!